Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. Oh, I'm so glad that there are some vocal people this morning. Uh, you know, holidays, this is how it kind of works. When you're, when you're a pastor at a church and it's the holidays, uh, you're never quite sure which holidays is going to be like what. Uh, some holiday seasons, we get to reap a blessing of people coming and staying in this area and our church it expands uh, and it grows and it's just great. Then there are other holiday seasons where we get to bless other communities by sending our people out. And I have a feeling that this holiday was one of those. Uh, so there's not a lot of us here today, but just really quickly, I want to hear you say amen this morning. Amen. Okay, we can still have church then. I've, all right, I'm just checking. So my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is great to have you here for our worship experience today. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to stop out in our foyer at the end of service. One of our board members will be out there, and they have two free gifts for you. One is this purple book devotional to help you in your walk with Christ. And then we also have a free account for Right Now Media, which has over 25,000 pieces of biblical content from devotionals to some of the best Christian speakers around the globe. That is free uh, for you, and there's instructions on the back of that card on how you can sign up for that free account. Uh, So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We're going to have a great worship experience today. And if you are new to our church, we do things a little bit differently here. We split our worship at the beginning, at the end of service. So we have an opportunity to enter in and engage with God at the beginning of service to set the tone for what he wants to do today. And then we'll end our service with the rest of the worship experience because we want to have a time to reflect on what God has said before we walk out the doors today. And then finally, at the end of our service today, we'll give you the opportunity to give. We have a giving box in our foyer, so you can leave your tithes and checks in the box as you exit the worship experience. Well, I think you've probably heard enough from me this morning, but we do have a neat little guy that would like to greet you on this Sunday morning. So let's talk with Jeb. It's time for announcements with your good friend and mine, Jeb. Well, good morning and welcome to Hillside. My name is Jeb and I like to today. I worship experience today. You may have noticed through the month of November, I have been growing out my facial hair. It's coming in pretty good, but, but, but I know some of you might think, Jeb, you're looking a little sketchy. Why are you growing out your facial hair in the month of November? Well, well that's because we've got something great we're gonna do in December. We're doing a Christmas Eve live nativity and carolin. And this is Wisconsin, so it might get a little chilly outside on that afternoon and evening. So I'm growing out my facial hair to stay warm. I mean, all of you guys, you can stand next to those propane heaters out there. But old Jeb, he gets too close to those propane heaters. It's not going to be a Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a reenactment of Elijah on Mount Carmel, where he called down fire from heaven. And we don't want that. We want to have a great Christmas Eve service. And speaking of that, we need people to sign up. I know a lot of you guys have already signed up, and thank you so much. But we don't have any wise men. We can't possibly do a Christmas Eve live nativity without some wise men. And I know there's some wise guys here at Hillside. 
So, so if you'd be willing to sign up and be a part of that, that would be fantastic. We still need lots of help. So sign up today in the foyer to be a part of our Christmas Eve Live Nativity and Caroling. It's going to be great. And we've got invitations coming here in just a week or two that you can pass out to your friends, family, and neighbors. Invite them to come and experience what we're doing here at Hillside December 24th. Well, I know there's a lot of people here that love Operation Christmas Child. And my good friend, Jairo Granados, is assembling a team of people who are interested in taking a trip down to Chicago. They're gonna work a shift at Operation Christmas Child's distribution center, packing up all those Christmas boxes for all the kiddos around the globe. If you're interested in being a part of that trip in December, see Mr. Jairo today after the worship experience. Well, parents and kiddos, do we have a special day for you guys planned. It's December 11th. It's called Drop and Shop. Parents, you can drop off your kids here at church starting at noon, and it's gonna go till four o'clock. Miss Jackie's got lots of awesome things planned with the kids. And hey, all the kiddos get to eat lunch free on us right here at Hillside. It's gonna be great. And then you can go out and do some holiday shopping or catch some lunch for yourself. It's gonna be a great day. Don't miss it. Drop and shop December 11th, noon to 4 p.m. Now at Hillside, we love serving our community and we've got another great opportunity that you can be involved in. It's coming up on Thursday, December 16th. We're gonna do bell ringing for the Salvation Army. We're gonna do it at Webster's Grocery Store. Now, now we'll have more information here shortly on that. So hopefully by next Sunday, we'll have all that ready to go and you can sign up for a time slot. But keep that in the back of your mind. If you'd like to ring those bells, we're gonna have an opportunity for you to do that. Don't forget, next Sunday at 9 a.m., Pastor Eric is wrapping up our Foundations class. They've been a great group of classes teaching us all about Hillside, what we believe, our vision and mission, and where we're going in the future. So don't miss that last one Sunday at 9 a.m. Oh, and if you missed any of the classes, you can watch them all on our website, hillsideassembly.org. Well, I think that's all I've got for announcements today. I suppose it's time for us to kick this thing over to Mr. Mike. But, but Mr. Mike, look down there. That Thanksgiving table is still set up. You don't suppose there's room for leftovers today, do ya? Woo, we'll just have to find out in a minute. But let's stand up to our feet because let's go. Four Sundays before Christmas and uh, Advent was actually Latin, which meant coming. And uh, it's a celebration and a preparation for Christ's coming. And we look back as, as Jesus having already came. And he came as the Lamb of God, as Emmanuel, God with us. But we like to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, as we await his second coming, when he will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
rejoice, church. to the table. Come to the table. Amen. And we did come and partake at the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, communion, the Passover. Today's invitation is to come. Now is the time to worship. The Granados Trio
take a moment in prayer today. Um, we like to consider ourselves not the only church in town, and we love to partner up with our sister churches here at Ripon and the surrounding communities. And uh, We have a missions team going out from this area uh, over to Africa, and they're leaving today. Uh, and if you've watched the news the last few days, you've noticed that there are some serious issues with some medical things going on. South Africa, and I think there's seven other countries right now involved in that. The missions team that's leaving here is actually going to Kenya, uh, which is only separated by that region by one country. And so we want to pray for that missions team going out today, that their, God's hand would be upon them, that they would use wisdom, uh, that they'd only be where they're supposed to be, and they'd stay right in the will of God. Uh, and maybe you came this morning, and just like Mike said, the invitation is here. God has an invitation for you. I don't know what things have transpired in your life over the last week. Some of you may have had tremendous victories. Others, maybe you've had defeat. Maybe there's heartache or there's burdens that you have this morning. I want to tell you, Jesus is here. And he loves you and he wants to engage with you this morning. You know, earlier I said, you know, we might be a little smaller this morning in attendance. But I want to tell you, that doesn't matter to our king. I'd still be here if it was just him and me. Because I want to spend time with him, and he so wants to spend time with you. Let's take just a moment and lift the needs that we might have in this room up to the Lord. God, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you that, God, you, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You walk with us. You partner with us. Lord, these lives are a delicate thing. This heart, this mind that we have, it's fragile. Lord, maybe this morning we're wounded in some way. God, would you step in and would you help us to walk through the process of healing? Lord, for some this morning, there are burdens that are, are, are bearing down on them that are far bigger than what they can handle on their own. But Lord, you promise to be a help in time of trouble. Lord, there are needs that need to be met today and that are beyond what we're capable of doing with our own hands. Lord, would you step in and would you bring provision? Would you calm the heart that's nervous this morning? Lord, would you heal the body that's broken? Lord, this morning we lift up the missions team that Dr. Nelson is leading to Kenya. That God, we believe that this trip has been ordained by you. Lord, there are situations right now with this new COVID outbreak in South Africa and the surrounding communities that's of great concern. And Lord, we pray over that team. Lord, wisdom. Uh, Lord, you lead them. And they, you, may, you may take them down an adventure that they never would have thought of going on their own. Uh, things may not work out the way that they have planned, but put them where they need to be, when they need to be there. 
to be of service to you. And Lord, that you may be glorified through that team's actions and that people may come into the kingdom of God because of their willingness to share, to give, and the medical expertise that they'll give to so many. Lord, we thank you that we can partner with our sister churches. And Lord, we pray a blessing over every church here in the Ripon community, surrounding communities. Lord, we need to be on mission, sharing the good news of the gospel. And I pray that your power would be evident across the board today in, our, in the services as pastors get up to preach your word, as worship teams lead their congregations in songs and hymns. God, it's about you. Let us never forget that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You can be seated this morning. And before we jump into the preaching today, let's go back to Jeb one more time. Do you know what time it is? It's time to get up on their fish. Clarity as we go into the Christmas season. It's always very busy for so many of us doing so many things, and it's no exception here at the church. A lot of different things happening. Let me just bring a little clarification to Christmas week and what that will look like. Uh, obviously, on the 24th, we're going to do our outdoor uh, live nativity, and the reason it's outdoors is because, look, I can bring my dog to the church, and it's not a problem. He makes a mess. I'm happy to clean that up. But when we got donkeys and birds and other things, I ain't cleaning that up, all right? So we're doing that outside. We'll have two services uh, that afternoon. Very excited about that. It's coming together. But again, we would love for you to sign up. We need some wise men. Otherwise, there's going to be a large part of the Christmas nativity that's going to look really weird. Uh, so I hope that some of you will be willing to sign up and help us with that. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday is going to be Christmas, and we hope that you enjoy that time with your friends and family. And then that Sunday, uh, which will be the 26th, we will do a special Christmas worship experience here. Uh, it's going to be pretty neat. Uh, we've got a lot of people being a part of that service. It'll be something very different, something like we've never done before, which is always something that we like to do, right? Uh, step into new fun adventures. So I hope that you'll join us uh, this Christmas season. And I want you to know everything that we're doing that week is all about you being able to invite someone with confidence to come and experience what Jesus has for them. Uh, and we are gearing everything that we do uh, in those services to reach those who need Christ, need a salvation experience with Jesus. So we're going to have a great time Christmas week. We'll have more information to give you next week, including invitations to both those Christmas services. Well, we're in a series called Just Like Jesus. We're going through the book of Mark. We're finding out what is it that God is calling us to do as Christians and as a church? How should we be doing ministry? How should we be living life? And one of the things that we encourage you to do when we started this was say, hey, look, what if we let go of expectation? What if we let go of experience for a moment and we stop doing church and we stop doing life by what's been modeled to us and we go back to the word and just take what Jesus says and what Jesus shows and we begin to implement that in our life? And this morning, our passage in Mark takes us to this very interesting place that'll put us face-to-face -face with the F word. That's right, you heard it, the F word. It's a word that we find offensive in the modern-day church culture. And it's a word that, that we don't like to think about. It's a word that we don't like to talk about. And that word, of course, is failure. We ignore it, we cover it up, we pretend it never happens, we place blame on others when it does happen. We'll tell others that it's okay to fail, 
but we refuse to give ourselves the same grace that we give others. So let's talk about failure today. Because if we're ever going to experience real victory, we have to understand as a church and as individuals how we overcome our failures. And in case you're wondering, everybody in here fails. Every one of us. <laughs> Sometimes we fail a lot. Have you ever had those days where you get up and you're, you're, you start off and it's not like we plan to fail, but like something happens and, and it's like, oh, you mess up and then you try so hard to fix things and it's like it leads to another mess up and it just this begins of this downward spiral and all you really want to do is just like, I just want to go to bed and start the day over. We've all been there. We've all been there from time to time. In our passage today, we're looking at a, a, a kind of a large gap here from Mark 14, uh, verse 12 through 42, and we're looking at three failures. We're going to zero in on the points of failure for these three scenarios we're going to look at. And a point of failure is defined by this. It's a part of a system that if it fails, it will stop the entire system from working. That sounds really fancy. Let's just break that down. If you have a lamp at home, you plug it in, you're not going to get electricity that works, but if you work, and I want to talk about the points of failure in these three situations that we're looking at today. Last week, uh, we talked about the celebration that Jesus and the disciples had as they were celebrating the festival of unleavened bread and the Passover and the invitation to come to the table and we gathered at the Thanksgiving table, or many of us did this last weekend, uh, and we sat around the table. And I hope that you had a great time celebrating, but maybe there was a little bit of that drama that went along with it, and we're going to jump into some drama today that happened at the table. So like Huey Lewis in the News sang about, we're going to go back in time, and let's go back to the Thanksgiving table. Let's go back to the Passover uh, meal that was happening as the disciples and Jesus sat around and look at some of the scenarios that took place. Starting in verse 18 of chapter 14, it reads like this. While they were reclining at the table eating, they eat just like us. Thanksgiving, right? You were sitting there eating and you ate too much turkey and it's like you just had to go to the recliner. The, the disciples did it too. So you're just walking in the ways of God. Verse 18, while they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, surely you don't mean me. Surely you don't mean me, Jesus. I, I don't want to fail you. Verse 20, it is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him to have not been born. Strong words. We're looking at Judas and his point of failure. I'm going to start right off the bat with a controversial statement. Judas's point of failure was not his betrayal of Christ. That wasn't his point of failure. See, I think like Judas and like us so much of the time, we take a look at the, the big issue, the big thing. When we fail somewhere, we look at the, the big scenario, we say, oh, this is where we failed. But there are many things oftentimes when we have a betrayal in our life, when we have a failure in our life that actually 
led to that failure happening. Judas did not just wake up and go, this is the day I'm going to betray Jesus. No, there was, there was something happening in Judas's life that would allow him to walk into this moment and to continue, even with this warning from Jesus himself, to continue walking forward in that betrayal. So let's take a look for just a moment and talk a little bit about Judas. Talk about the fact of, of how, how you get to problems in our life, to the moment where there's failings, and, and if we don't deal with the stuff that led up to it, we're only going to relive that failing. When I was a young man, uh, I had the opportunity to work for Bellevue University in Nebraska as a computer lab technician. And they set up a new campus. I got to be a part of that. We set up the computers. We ran a lot of the wiring. And we had, in our computer lab, there were four rooms and a wire room. And we had a, a floor that was a false floor. You could pull up the carpet squares. There were some screws. You'd take a device, and you could pull up a panel and get underneath and, and check the cables. And all the cables ran down these baskets. And we were having these problems because all these computers were failing all the time. They couldn't connect to online, and that was important for the students to be able to do that. And so we would have to get underneath there, and we would find that those cables were getting chewed up. That's right, there was a rat. And so we would continually be changing out these cables. So one day when I was down there working, and I happened to peek over, and I'm like, I can see light down here. And I've got some blueprints at a later date. And so they had put a PVC pipe in the floor so that they could run cables from one building to the next building. But what they forgot to do was cap the PVC pipe. So all these critters from the outside had an open door to come in and chew on these cables. And what we were doing is we were replacing the cables, replacing the cables, replacing the cables because there was a failure. But no matter how much we replaced the cables until we stopped the hole, those critters were going to keep coming in and chewing on those electrical lines and those internet lines. So you had to stop the thing that was causing the critters getting in. Sometimes in our life, we've got to stop and, and plug up the holes so that Jesus can do the healing that he needs to do in us. Let's look at Judas for a moment. A little bit about Judas and what we know. Many people believe Judas belonged to a political group called the Sicarii. They were a Jewish there were Jewish rebels opposed to the Roman occupation, which, by the way, living underneath Roman occupation, it was not a heyday. There was a lot of abuse that went on. It was very difficult. And so he was a part, we believe that he was a part of this group. The Sicarii were known as a violent extremist group who performed many assassinations in the time of Jesus. Basically, they were almost a terrorist organization. Brutal. And we believe Judas was a part of this group. When Judas was chosen by Jesus, I have to believe that Judas had an expectation that Jesus was there to overthrow the Roman oppressors. And as the three years went on that Judas walked with Jesus, I think there was probably some expectations that weren't being met. And instead of dealing with those expectations, he kind of became bitter. Because Jesus didn't come to overthrow the Roman occupation. He came to set us free from sin and to show us that religion's not the answer, but a relationship with God is. That probably did not sit well with Judas. One thing that we know abundantly clear about Judas is he was a deceiver, and he deceived many. 
He was the treasurer for Jesus' ministry, but he was also a thief. He was stealing ministry out of, or stealing money out of the ministry. Kind of put that into terms. Imagine if Kathy, our bookkeeper, always showed up with, with a new car every six months. You know, I showed up with a new pair of Nikes every day. You know, every time I preached, it was just, you know, it was just like, it was something that didn't seem quite right. But he had almost everybody fooled. He was fooling everyone but Jesus. The disciples had him pegged as a good, upright, moral leader, well-respected, probably a decent communicator. But he was hiding a deceptive heart. See, Judas's point of failure was an unrepented heart. An unrepented heart quickly becomes a hard heart. And when you have a hard heart, it's very hard to experience conviction. And I have to believe that's where he was. Romans chapter 2 talks about this, the having an unrepented heart. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when this righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. When we don't repent, when we just allow our heart to become hard and cold and walk in our own ways, and we, we, we squeeze out the Spirit of God and we squeeze out conviction, it is a very dangerous place. An unrepented heart will catch up to you. It will take you to places you never thought you would be ever able to go, and not in a good way. An unrepented heart literally killed Judas. Jesus picked Judas. I think it's a mis- in this room, every person that's living or has lived on this planet. He knows the choices you will make, but he never takes your choices away from you. Just because he knows that you're going to choose something that's not good for you doesn't mean that you're predestined for that. You made the choice, and Judas made the choices that led him here. At any point, Judas could have repented. And at the very moment, they sat at this table together, and their hands in the bowl, and Jesus is talking about, look, he's giving warnings and warnings. He's just bringing it clearer and clearer and clearer to the point where he's like, Judas, you are the brother, man. I know you're going to betray me. At that moment, he still could have repented. And instead, he didn't. He got up and walked out and continued to commit the sin he was in the process of doing, betraying Jesus over to these religious leaders. All because he wouldn't repent. He would not submit his heart to God's. This morning, a question to ask, is your heart hard? Is it hardening? Are you experiencing an unrepented heart? And is that slowly killing you, not just spiritually, but physically as well? God is calling. The invitation is still open. The invitation was still open for Judas. He's had an opportunity to repent, to turn things around right there at the table. But he walked away from the table instead. Don't walk away from the invitation God has for you today. Let's move forward. Mark 14, 27, still at this celebratory dinner. Verse 27 reads, You will fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. 
But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus is telling them, look, there are some tough times ahead. It's not going to go the way that you, ha you have it planned out. But look, it's all going to work out. There's a plan here. But in verse 29, Peter declared this, even if they all fall away, even if everyone else falls away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, your, uh, you, your, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. What was Peter's point of failure? Peter's point of failure is his pride. Peter was impetuous. Peter was a guy who often acted before he thought. Anything that came to his mind kind of blurted out. And you can see it in Scripture. There's even points where it doesn't tell you who said what, but you've kind of got to go to yourself, eh, I think that's Peter. Peter seems to just have this way about just jumping in and going, and that serves him well in some capacities. It led to a lot of great adventures, walking on the water with Jesus. Hey, if he didn't have that kind of personality, that probably never would have happened. But at this point, it's causing a huge problem. His pride has gotten in the way. So you might say to yourself, what's the problem with pride? Let me give you just a few things, examples of what pride does. Pride is often the motivator for other sins in our life. It's the starter. It's the igniter fluid that starts a fire of sin in our life. Go back to the original sin in the garden. What was it? Pride. It was pride that led Adam and Eve to, to disobey God. It was pride. Look at Lucifer's fall from heaven. What was it that, that caused him to do this? Pride. Pride makes us oblivious to danger. Pride leads us to arrogance, and arrogance never leads to anything good. Never. But pride will always take us to that place of arrogance. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride happens, causes us to uh, ascend by our God-given identity, who we are in Christ. Therefore, we're blinded to a perspective beyond our own. And we only see it through our own eyes. And what happens is, is we become prideful and we start trying to build relationships and we're burning down bridges with people God's called us to connect with because we can't see life from their perspective because pride has blinded us. We can't walk in somebody else's shoes and we keep trying to take other people's experiences and put them and say, hey, wear my shoes. But they're not called to wear your shoes. We become blind when we live in pride. Pride makes us foolish. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Pride causes us to think foolishly, and then pride causes us to act foolishly. Finally, number five, pride causes us to not seek counsel. We all need a different perspective in our life from time to time. Some of us are too close to a situation to see it clearly. It's like having binoculars but looking at a wall. <laughs> I can see the wall really clearly, but that's all you can see. We're blind to everything else happening to us because we need an outside perspective. 
Here, Jesus is telling the disciples, you will scatter. It's going to happen. Peter could not heed the words of Jesus, nor could he reflect on them. He could not understand. This was Jesus. The one person who can see it all, understand it all, he's going, look, this is the way this is going to go down. And Peter was like, Jesus, you're wrong. And I think sometimes, we don't like to admit it, but we have the same attitude with Jesus. Like, we don't literally have the conversation with Jesus, like, Jesus, you're wrong. But our actions, our decisions, I say that to Jesus. We'll start feeling the leading of God wanting to do something. We're like, nope, Jesus, you're wrong. I can't do that. Think about that for a moment. This Peter is with Jesus. He's basically saying, Jesus, it's not going to happen the way you're saying it's going to happen. His pride is literally trying to, to rob Christ of the throne at this moment. His authority. He's saying, Jesus, I, your authority doesn't matter here. Whoa, this is a bigger deal than we think. It's a big deal. And look, I, Peter's intentions were good. He, he wanted to be faithful. He wanted to be courageous. There's nothing wrong with any of that. He goes, surely not me. Everyone else may fail, but not me, Jesus. Not me. Peter could not grasp something so important that is not our determination that determines our relationship with Christ. It is the power of grace that is the fulfillment of of the gospel. Did you catch that? It's not our determination. It's the power of grace. Look, I want to be determined to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I do. But I've got to understand, grace is so much bigger than my determination. Grace is so much more powerful. And if you're pride today, maybe you've said, I could never do what that person's doing. I could never be in that situation. We would be wise to heed these words. But by the grace of God, there go I. Because so many times we say we would never, we would never, we would never. And we wake up one morning and we find that we're in that situation. And it came out of nowhere. Heard I am, I would never make. Hi, my name is Pastor Eric. But let me tell you something. There is no question in my, in my spirit that if I started, I would be an alcoholic. The pressures that I experience, the way that I'm built, I know that. I'm smart enough not to touch the stuff. Because I'm making a choice. See, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful when we go around and we see somebody, and inside, our pride goes, oh, I could never do that. I'm better than them. No, you're not. I'm not. It's just, thank goodness, I've experienced grace that's never had me in that situation. There's not a drug addict in this town that's decided when they were a kid, they're like, you know what I want to be when I grow up? A drug addict. I want to live in my parents' basement. I want to be able to not have any healthy relationships. I want to be controlled by a substance the rest of my life. No kid is dreaming for that. But whatever situations and outcomes happened, they made some choices, and now they're stuck there. And don't think that you're better because a few things change and that would be you. 
and it would be me. Thank goodness for the grace of God, and thank goodness that we have the light today to guide us. And may we stay in God's grace, and may we share God's grace with the others that need it, that have not yet experienced it. But by the grace of God, there go I. The third point of failure. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 14, verse 32. We're going to step away from the table, and we're going to go to the garden now. They had to walk, do some walking, all that food that they had, right? Had to digest that. So let's pick up in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. So he split the disciples up. There's a group here, and then there's a smaller group that's going deeper into the garden with Jesus. Peter, James, and John. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. I think this is a great lesson. It's not in my notes here, but let me take just a moment. We need to have relationships in our life, and we need to have relationships on multiple levels. Even within Jesus' leadership team, he had 12 guys. There's probably only 11 here. I'm assuming Judas is not with them at this point. Judas isn't there. There's 11 guys. Out of the 11, he says, look, you guys stay here, but you three come with me. And he didn't share the burden on his heart with all of his leadership team. He shared it with these three. He allowed them into a door to go to a deeper place. And in our life, there has to be levels of relationship. And if you are, are just like, I'm just going to share everything with everybody, it's not healthy. <laughs> and you will get burned. But you've got to have levels, and you've got to have your groups. Jesus had the 12, Jesus had three, and then Jesus had one that went even further and deeper. And we need to model that relationship status in our life. We can have a group, close friends, our closest friend. Someone that we can share our heart with and that can encourage us, that can speak into our life in deeper ways, that can bring correction. So here they are, and he's asked these three to keep watch with him. Verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I could preach on that subject alone for a whole hour. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour at the guy who's like, I'll never betray you, Jesus. <laughs> He's fallen and is willing, but the flesh, he again found them sleeping. What to say to him? Returning a third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. For Peter, James, and John, there was a point of failure. Three disciples are asked to watch and pray with Jesus in the garden. Jesus is about to endure an experience unlike any other any human in history has ever experienced. Not just the torture in itself, but the spiritual weight of our sin coming upon Jesus. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt your own sin's weight when Jesus is doing a work in your life. That's heavy enough. But now the entire human race, all that weight 
on Jesus, that's a lot to take in. That's a lot to walk through. Jesus is about to endure this, and he asks these three to share this experience with him. Jesus himself relied uh, on the only thing that could possibly get him through this moment in time, and it was prayer. There was nothing else. There wasn't, there wasn't a Gatorade drink that he could pick up to get him through. There wasn't a book he could go buy from a best-selling author. It was just prayer. And what were the three disciples doing when they had the opportunity to step into this moment, sleeping? And Peter had vowed, I won't fail you. I'd die for you, Jesus, but I, I'm going to fall asleep in the moment where you need me to be on watch. Jesus had rebuked the disciples and warned them, watch and pray. The third time our Lord returned, and these men are still sleeping. And he speaks these words, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? And now the hour's come, it's too late. So what was the point of failure? The point of failure was lack of awareness. These three were unaware of the importance of this singular moment. Something so simple. Jesus was, wasn't asking them to build an ark like Noah. He's like, look, would you pray with me for an hour? Would you sit with me for an hour as I prep my spirit for the road ahead? They were unaware of the importance of the moment and unaware that something so simple could be so profound. Sometimes we focus so much on the big things, the big opportunity, the big flashy moments in our life that we miss the little things that matter the most. The most important things in life are often the simple things. And we're just unaware of how important they are. The most important thing that we can do are the simple things with those that we do life with every day your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. The simple little things are important. And they make a huge difference. Thank goodness it was Jesus that was there in the garden. Because anyone else would have failed, but not our Savior. Not our Savior. When everybody else didn't have the energy to pray, Jesus still prayed. And look, Jesus was disappointed with the disciples. I'm going to be straight up and honest with you. There are times where Jesus is disappointed in you. There's times where Jesus is disappointed in me. But our moments of failure are not final. At least they don't have to be. That's the power of grace. We're all going to fail. Jesus is not intimidated by our failure. It's not like he looks at us when we fail and go, oh, that's it, I'm done with this, wash my hands of it, I'm starting over. Won't happen. He's not intimidated. And yes, at times disappointing. But failure can lead to something greater in our life. Not that we should go out the door saying, I'm looking to fail today so that I can succeed. But the fact is, is when we fail, we have an opportunity to see success. 
to make things right, to have a repentant heart, to have a moment to say, you know what, I'm not going to let pride win the day here. I'm going to submit to the leadership of Jesus. To have the moments when we're unaware of the small things in our life that make the biggest impacts in, in, in the lives around us. We've got a moment to step into grace. See, the only way failure ever leads to success is when failure leads us to grace. When failure leads us to restoration. And Jesus is about restoring things. You might feel like you're the biggest failure that you've ever met in your life. But can I tell you, all the people that we look at as heroes and entrepreneurs and incredible minds experienced failure, but they didn't let failure be the final word in their life. I'd like you to watch this video, and then we'll close. Dismissed from drama school with a note that read, wasting her time, she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Turned down by the Decca recording company who said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent. At 38 years old, he went to work for his father as a handyman. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried. The teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything and he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. His fiance died, he failed in business twice, he had a nervous breakdown and he was defeated in eight elections. If you've never failed, you've never lived. Worship team, if you'd come back to this platform. The invitation to the table remains open. Long after we leave this worship experience, there will still be a voice calling you to the table. Each and every day. Because Jesus wants to commune with you. He wants to have a moment to step into your life. And he will love and encourage you, but he will also bring a word of conviction. And when Jesus brings conviction, he's not shaming you. He's saying, look, there is something in you holding you back from something better that you could experience. So Jesus will show us, the Holy Spirit will show us points in our life where we fail. We fail when we fail our spouse, when we fail our kids, when we fail Jesus himself. But failure's not the final word. Grace should be the final word. And grace empowers you to get back up on your feet and to make things right where you've fallen short. Church, would you stand to your feet this morning because I want to pray for you. Maybe you feel like you failed. Maybe as we went back in time and as we were preaching on this today, you went back to your Thanksgiving table and you thought about a conversation that maybe you had, maybe a word that you shared with somebody, maybe something that you said out of spite or anger or out of frustration and you failed. Maybe this morning as you got cut deep into the heart and the mind of your spouse and they're hurt and wounded, you had an opportunity to make it right. Maybe it's something silly and small 
Maybe you told your spouse you'd put the laundry in the dryer and it's still in the washer at home. Grace, you got an opportunity this afternoon to hit the washer, recycle, (laughs) and then get that into the dryer. Maybe you let your kids down, you promised them something and you can't come through with the promise that you had. The list can go on and on and on. But today, in this moment, if you just close your eyes, there's a voice that's louder than all the voices of our failings. And it's the voice of the Savior. And just like Jesus told three to come closer this morning, he is calling your name and saying, hey, come closer. I want an intimate moment with you. Let's go walking in the garden. Let's go to a deeper place than maybe we've ever gone before. Lord, this morning, we just tell you that we're a failure. You already know it. We're not going to hide it from you. Judas had a hard heart. Eventually, it led to his death. We don't want to walk down that road. We want to take this moment to repent. God, of the things that I've said, that I've done, the way I've responded, where I've failed to lead correctly, where I was worried too much about what someone thought of me rather than doing the right thing. Lord, I'd want to say I'm sorry. I want to take this moment to repent. And I just want to say I know I can do it better with you. Moments, Lord, where I've, I've maybe stolen a piece of your throne and not listened to the wisdom or the conviction that your spirit leads, but thought, I'm just going to do it my way, like Peter had in that moment with you. Lord, I want to say I'm sorry and I repent. I want you to sit on the throne alone. I want you to be able to speak a perspective different than my own so that I can see people in a different way, so that I can see situations in a different way. Because, God, your perspective is better than mine. And, Lord, we repent as a church for moments in time where we've missed it. We've missed an opportunity. We've missed an opportunity to love on somebody, to share with someone, to come along and serve someone because we were too busy, because our pride got in the way, or because we thought we were better than somebody else or because we thought we had nothing to offer. We, we have the greatest thing to offer in all of eternity. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is the greatest thing. And if we have nothing else to share, nothing else to offer, that is more than sufficient. So forgive us when we failed as a church. Lord, we thank you for grace. And may it abound in this place. And as we walk out of here today, may we walk in grace and the power that it holds for us. That you're not looking for perfection. You're looking for people who are willing to progress and move and to hear your spirit and allow you to convict us and change us and transform us. We give you praise, glory, and honor. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. The first step is that you realize that we're broken, we're not perfect. We've already covered that this morning. The second thing is we've got to realize that Jesus is the Savior. 
we take a leap of faith and we proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came, that He died, and that He rose again, and that He's calling you into a relationship with Him. Ask Him to take the wheel of guarantee you He will do that. Far from perfect. Pray this morning. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. My life is far from perfect. Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again. And in this moment, you are calling my name into a relationship with you. Lord, I want to follow. Lord, I submit my life to you. I ask you to come in and and take the, the steering wheel, to steer my life in a different direction, to change me, to show me what you can do and who you are and who I can be in you. Change my life. Rescue me and take me on the greatest adventure of my life, following you. Lord, this morning we give you praise, glory, and honor. You are bigger than our mistakes. You are bigger than our failings. And we thank you that you are perfection. Your love is unending, unceasing, overwhelming. And Lord, as we step into this moment today, may we walk out of here not failures, But God, may we walk out of here grace followers of Jesus, grace-empowered life changers that have the opportunity to go into the workplace this next week and, and to step in with grace and to love on people and to overcome our mistakes and our failings. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And Lord, would you accept these songs from our hearts as a form of worship to you? We give you praise. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Mike, would you lead us one more time? I'll come back in close service in a few moments. The line to this song says, Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. The Granados family is going to lead us again in worship this morning as we sing this. come to you. Yes. 
truth.
Sometimes it's just good to be in God's presence. Just not even to say a word, just to just soak it in. He loves you so much, church. And so do we. We might all be broken together. But we're all being made whole by the same Spirit. And there's a power in that. Lord, as we close our worship experience today, as we leave this place, the greatest ministry is still yet to come. It's when we leave these doors. It's the life we live from now until next Sunday. And your word is spoken to us. That failure is not the final word. There will be moments this week where we will fail. But God, your grace is greater. And Lord, let us live in grace. Lord, there will be moments this week where your spirit will speak to us. You'll call us back to things that you spoke in this service. And we will have the opportunity to be obedient to you or to be prideful and walk away or to be busy and walk away. Lord, may we never be too busy for you and the leading of your spirit. Lord, if there's just one person this week that we can encourage, one person that we can help, one person that we can be kind to, Lord, help us to see it. Help us not to miss it. Lord, as we return on Wednesday and as we pray through what you'll speak to us, uh, going back to this point of failure and how to overcome failure, Lord, I believe you'll meet us in this place as we lift up the needs and concerns for our community and what you're wanting to do. God, I believe you'll be here with us. You'll move in powerful ways. And Lord, until you bring us back together next Sunday, God, may your hand be upon us. Lord, as we get ready to give of our tithes and offerings, Lord, may you bless what is given. May you bless those who give. Lord, may you prosper what is given, that we may do more with it for the kingdom of God than we ever thought possible. May we give out of a heart of worship, out of a heart of love. May we love to give. Lord, we thank you for that today. Lord, bless these families as they go their separate ways and bring us back together once again to spend time with you next weekend. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday. We'll see you next Sunday. 9 o'clock foundations class next Sunday. 10 10 o'clock worship experience. Uh, And I can't wait to do it again with you. Have a great week. And we we actually got one more song. Can we close with that, Yes, close with one more song. Absolutely. Some of yours favorite hymn. This Christmas, Christmas Eve, we get to share the story of Jesus. We're going to close with, I love to tell the story. Do you love to tell the story of Jesus to the people in your life? Let's sing that.
Amen.